0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Scared Stiff Horror Podcast. We are well into the holiday season and we are continuing our multi-week coverage of Christmas horror movies. I'm very excited for today's show. We have an exclusive interview with Armando Munoz, the author of My Bloody Valentine and the brand new Silent Night, Deadly Night novelization. We also have Anthony Massey, owner of Massey Media, which started StopToKiller.com. StopToKiller.com creates games based on classic horror films, such as My Bloody Valentine and Silent Night, Deadly Night. In today's interview, we discuss the controversy surrounding the release of the classic 1984 film, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and talk about how Armando used his love of the film to expand upon its story and give more insight into the characters from the movie. Without further ado, let's go to the interview. Welcome, guys, to the Scared Civ Horror Podcast. We are really excited to have you in the studio, Armando Munoz and Anthony Massey. How are you guys doing? Hey. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Armando is the writer of the brand new novelization of Silent Night, Deadly Night. And Anthony Massey is the creator of Stop the Killer, which is a series of board games, which one of those games is Silent Night, Deadly Night.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we had to do the book. Had to do the book because Armando's amazing. (laughs) I'm so glad that you guys have brought this
0: franchise back from pretty much obscurity. About three decades have gone by since we've seen anything of the franchise. And what made you guys decide to delve into this world of Billy, Ricky and the Toymaker?
1: Well, the board game was supposed to be a fluke, not a fluke, but like a one-off thing. It was supposed to be just, I was working with the producers on the new movie, producing the new movie that's been in the works forever. Um, And the licensor wanted to do um, some uh, merchandise for Silent Night, Deadly Night, t-shirts and things like that. And the idea of a board game came up and on my own, just sort of on the side they mentioned it once and I just sort of designed this game and I'm a magician. And so for me, it was like designing the ultimate magic trick. It was combining, it was creating a moment of like wonder. It was like, I wanted to create a wondrous experience for Silent Night, Daily Night fans and just immerse people into the movie. It's kind of feel like they're battling Billy in the movie and all of that. And so we designed the game, launched it on Kickstarter and it was very successful. And I had just said to, the licensor, you know, let's do a novel based on Silent Night, Deadly Night, because my company also did one on My Bloody Valentine, which Armando also wrote. Um, and they jumped at the chance because My Bloody Valentine was amazing. And uh, so that's what got us started. And Armando wrote this But How long did it take you to write this, Armando? Uh,
2: Silent Night, Deadly Night was a good chunk of this year. It was my year was pretty focused on this particular book not the only one, but really the, I've, but you know, we've had been discussing this particular title for at least a year and a half.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Before my bloody Valentine. Yeah. exactly. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's right. So we, he was supposed to write Silent Night, Deadly Night first and then my bloody Valentine, but things just, you know, things get, things change. And so, uh, that's what it was. And so when my bloody Valentine did really well, I went back to the licensor and says and said you really need to do this because it will be appreciated i mean you should just see the posts that are out online and everything people are like what a book on this movie is my favorite movie so many people love this movie so and Armando didn't just take the book take the movie and do a scene for scene like the armando munoz treatment is is different than any other you know tie-in novel That you can imagine, uh, you know. Because and this is why I love working with Armando. He brings this incredible vision that's not really expected. So I could gush about Armando all day. He knows how much I love him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What was your introduction to the franchise, Armando? What What gave you the passion for *Silent Night, Deadly Night*?
2: You know, I saw the film right when it was released on VHS in 1986, I believe it was, and. I was not fortunate enough to catch it during its original theatrical run it did not play in my small town during that limited two weeks it was in theaters but also that was kind of that 84 was kind of a turning point year where I wasn't completely into horror yet I'd been seeing horror films for years but the bug had not fully burrowed into me and Oddly enough, it was the competitor of Silent Night, Deadly Night, A Nightmare on Elm Street that I recall seeing in the theater and was just so blown away. And that film was the turning point. And and then in 85, 1985, I saw every single horror film that came out. So Silent Night, Deadly Night was really on that cusp. But even in 86, you know, everything freaked me out. Um, That's the fun of the genre. It, you know, gets probes my nerves. And Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, had an immediate reaction. Like, it was freaky, it was transgressive, it was scary, it was shocking, it was offensive, and somewhat sleazy, maybe very sleazy. Like, there are so many things about it that I had a visceral response to.
0: Interesting you said that you didn't get to see it in its two-week span. Because, as uh, some people may not know, the movie was actually pulled after the second weekend. They opened up the same weekend as Nightmare on Elm Street, I believe. It, it did. And it actually outdrew Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: It would have... Silent Night, Deadly Night would have brought in a sizable amount of cash if it had been allowed to run a full you know, theatrical run. But, you know, the moral majority went on an anti-horror film crusade, and this yeah. film was totally in their sights and they managed, I mean, I can't think of another film in the eighties that was pulled out of cinemas by a major studio for that particular reason. Right. You know, so that made it notorious, a notorious title, but you know, right when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, it earned it. Like it was a shocking movie. And so I can still channel that fear of, the that i originally felt watching the film being like i can't believe i'm watching this but at the same time even though it freaked me out there was things i really really liked about it which was really its anti-authoritarian um stance like the film very much positions religion and a religious abuse as the villain It's not a religious movie. It actually goes after it. And it does a lot of things that other films in the 80s were not doing. And in a way, like No Wonder it was such a lightning rod for controversy. But I appreciated that about it because I had the same feeling. Even in my youth, you know, I as a preteen, I completely rejected the church. I said, I'm not going anymore. I don't believe in this like oddly enough silent night deadly night was kind of like a similar story because i felt it like i knew what it was like to be subjected to the church and then to reject it and that's very much a big part of this story so it spoke to me (laughs)
0: yeah it's interesting about all the people that kind of lobbied to get this movie banned is that just four years earlier there was another killer santa movie in um christmas evil and even before that, you had the segment of Tales from the Crypt, the All in the House, I believe it was called, or All Through the House. So right. it wasn't the first Killer Santa movie, but for some reason this attracted all the people picketing to get it pulled, which they were successful for. So is that more that it was a knock on the church is why they were picketing this movie?
2: I think so. I think directly um, the moral majority, the christians of the 1980s early 1980s um saw this as a direct attack you know against them and their morality and their sensibilities and mm-hmm. their worship and i mean there were other films in the 80s that summoned that controversy the main one that i can think of offhand is the last temptation of christ in the later 80s like i know that there were a lot of christians at that trying to get that film pulled out of theaters as well but the studio didn't relent to that kind of pressure like silent night deadly night just came out you know right the same month that ronald reagan was re-elected like it was such a political polarizing time and they were always looking for a villain um in that era it was the rock music it was the um PMRC going against the, in the congressional hearings where Frank Zappa and Ozzy and Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister had to testify. You know, it was coming, Silent Night, Deadly Night came right at this point of moral panic and satanic panic that just went through the country. And even as a kid, I recognized it. And I thought those people who were picketing the film were the offensive ones. Yeah, you know, so I, uh, <laughs> I totally got it. I got Silent Night Deadly Night.
0: And ironically, all the controversy—controversy controversy creates cash—probably led to the success. <laughs> you got four sequels that, you know, if they left it alone, who knows if this movie would have been seen by as many people as it did when it eventually came out.
1: Yeah, I mean, for my take on that is you know, you tell like nowadays you tell people that they can't see something, they go and find it. It's like, don't tell me to not go see it. I, you know, banned books probably sell extremely well now, but I think back then it just disappeared. Remember it was the eighties, right? So you didn't know if you'd ever see a movie again. So if something was pulled from theaters, you know, you were like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, whatever, even as a horror fan, you just be like, well, I guess I won't see it now. I don't know when the VCR was invented, but it was around that time. Around that time, but it was probably, what, I don't know, 80, it was probably around that time. I was running VHS players in 83. 83, okay. Maybe,
2: maybe 82. Yeah.
1: So this was a title that was there and made a big splash and then vanished and people forgot about it. And the studio went and made a couple of sequels and they just sort of, you know, didn't give them any of the thought or, um, intelligence that the first one had. So, but it kind of, you know, so nowadays there's a lot of people, I think it's had a major resurgence in the last decade with merchandise because people go, Oh, I remember that movie. And so many people with the games and the book that stop the killer has put out. So many people say, I just discovered this movie. I just discovered it. I watch it every, I'm going to watch it every year. And it's like people are instant fans because it's really great. So, um, but that's my take on that is, Yes, it would have given Nightmare on Elm Street a run for its money, and it outperformed it on the first weekend, so it probably would have had the same life and the same sequels and all that, but because it was yanked, it was just like the death knell of the title, and there was nothing they could do with it anymore, and the original producers got cut out of the movie. So they developed it and sold it, and then were never on set, never did anything. They didn't have any say in the poster design, nothing. So the studio just kind of took it and then went on and made a couple of really bad sequels um my opinion i mean it's subjective i know people who love these movies um i love part five but that's my take on it is you know it just it, it was made this huge explosion and then disappeared
2: i do think that there's a uh it was inevitable that the resurgence for this title would happen mm-hmm. because what makes even new fans um, grab onto it is it's a good story the original film always had a great story that michael hickey screenplay uh sleigh ride you know it really was all there on the page and what was on the page made it to the screen and it was captivating and it was subversive and it was different but really it, if you're starting with a good story it's going to endure And it's found ways through VHS and then DVD and then restoration and re-releases and revival screenings. And now this new wave with merchandising and and multiple games and the novelization. It was kind of inevitable because Silent Night, Deadly Night has a great story.
0: Yeah, Billy was a very sympathetic character. You know, watched his parents get killed in front of him. You know, was abused by Mother Superior in in his home, in his school. I think people kind of feel for him, you know, he's a great character. And then he kind of flips the switch. You know, he had too much.
1: You're just kind of waiting for him to snap. You know, you're like you see it coming and it's like a rubber band. You're like, or you know, you're like you keep pulling it and you're like, you just that's what I think is so strong about it. And what's great about the movie is there's this you know there's this young young billy like trapped inside that sort of gets taken over by this santa persona you know at some point he steps into the role of santa he believes he's santa but in the movie it's difficult to kind of show that happening you understand it but armando <laughs> what he did with it was he showed you that splintered personality and treated them as separate when he's turning over the pages to us at Stop the Kill the Licensor and we're reading it. We're like, this is great because you get to explore what's actually going on in his head. And and it's such a great part of his execution.
0: Yeah, what were the challenges, Armando? I know the horror fans are very passionate about their franchises and any changes you may do sometimes could be fought with, hey, this is our character, don't mess with him. You know, what, were the, what was going through your head? What were the challenges in making expanding the universe of this movie without upsetting some of the hardcore fans
2: well because i am a hardcore fan you know i had to satisfy that part of myself and i totally satisfied myself in that department and so like i have i'm pretty confident that nobody's going to feel cheated by losing something that the movie had um that i didn't bring back their favorite meat beats their favorite moments and you know, it's you all don't there. want it's all that. there, I mean, and I really right. do try to be as faithful as possible while expanding in a way to build the universe out in a way that feels completely organic and a part of like you wouldn't know if it was something that had originally been written or cut. It's got to feel so authentic, and the great thing with working with Stop the Killer, who was working with the original you know, licensors and filmmakers on this series of novelizations is every change I might want to make, any addition I might want to bring has to get their stamp of approval. And so nothing's going to make it through that the original creators of these films don't think is a good idea. And, you know, it makes for a very complicated and, you know, in-depth process. But, you know, we all want to, we're revisiting favorites, but we're giving them new life and we're all taking it very seriously that we want these, you know, updated stories to work and expand and get people involved in it again. But with, with Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I always knew this was going to be one of the major challenges of this particular book, is that is the fact that I do take my protagonist and turn him into the antagonist and then kind of taken back at the end and that's not an easy that that's quite a tightrope there are different ways you can do it there's different ways that it won't work and i had to very carefully calibrate how i present every stage of billy as a protagonist even as an antagonist i don't lose him as a protagonist and that's a very mm-hmm. tricky thing but I'm very happy with the way I approached him and completely dove into not just his head, but the different fractures within his head. So each one has a voice. So it's um, it was an unusual, you know, character to write, and yet it's Billy's story. So you know there are a lot of interesting challenges with this book. It's not the typical slasher. It doesn't you know, fall into the same beats all the time. But it, you know, it does have to deliver for the fans. I really hope that they don't feel any moments are missed. You know, a few of the variations that actually appear in Silent Night, Deadly Night, or My Bloody Valentine were actually dictated by the original filmmakers. Um, There are moments that they wanted improved or tweaked or even at times a line change. And so, you know, but we're all very aware of keeping things as close as possible, but expanding in a a way that feels completely organic.
0: As a longtime fan of the series and as the writer, how exciting was it the first time you wrote Billy saying the word (laughs) punish?
2: Well, I was already pretty used to it because Mother Superior says it so much. (laughs) She's the one who who scared it into me. Um, you know, these, it's not just Billy. This Silent Night, Deadly Night, is it's incredible how many memorable, iconic characters are in the story. And it's a very lean and mean, brief 80-something minute movie. And so they didn't have a lot of time, but, you know, these characters, there's Mother Superior and Grandpa and Billy and the original killer Santa. Like, it's such... There's so many great villains in the piece it's really not just one but a lot of other characters too that I just absolutely have always loved even during their limited screen time whether it's Denise who's so who's so bold and yet wholesome at the same time how does she do that mm-hmm. and uh, mrs. Randall and Mr. Sims <laughs> like these char- sister Margaret turned into my favorite character of the book like, Sister Margaret's story in this book, to me, is right up there with Billy's. It, like, in a way, they are the leads. You know, and it's because I just love these characters so much. So I, I'm i so lucky. <laughs> I, I constantly think, how great that I got to live with these characters for a while. Although I have to say, it's pretty scary to be um, stuck in that orphanage with Mother Superior for months on end. <laughs> just hearing her... Oliver uh punishment is
1: good you know it's just like uh you know it's all of those characters armando mentioned all of them have been expanded you know it's uh it's not um like grandpa he gets one he's great in the movie he's one of my favorite i think it's one of the greatest scenes in horror movies and I don't say that lightly. I mean, you believe this crazy man talking to this little kid, scaring this little kid to death about Santa coming for him if he's not good, and they because because of the actor, the writing, and the actor, he just uh, Will ha- Will Hair is that his name? Will O'Hare, a- I think. Yeah, uh, he was just incredible in that. Where you could watch it over and over and see the genius. He's crazy, and you believe it. Well, that's not all you get in the book. I mean, for me, I was like rolling because what. Or Armando does is so he's funny, but he's a character. He's, you understand Grandpa even more. You'll watch the movie and picture what Armando wrote. And I think that's what's great about My Bloody Valentine and Silent Night, Deadly Night is you won't look at the movies the same because you'll have all this other imagery in your head, and it's just great. And then Mother Superior, I mean, why is she so hard on everybody you know why is she so you know regimented and stiff and mean you know and there's in the so he he's brought so much more in denise and and denise you're you know she's Linnea quigley everybody expects her to take her top off you know that's kind of what she does um she's she's killed in the movie but there's more to her character the armando just gave them so much more to do and i think that's what's nobody wants to read a beat for beat re you know tie-in novel nobody wants to read like just go watch the movie and i know that the tie-in novels from the 80s were like that it was kind of like oh if he a quick read on a train or something and but yeah we had to fight for some things there was a scene that the licensor wanted to take out that you wanted that you insisted on keeping in remember this scene where he goes up the ladder the santa goes up the ladder into the house and the licensor was like it doesn't make sense think of, you know you watch that scene you're kind of like That really doesn't make sense. If the guy is trying to surprise his daughter as Santa, why is he climbing through the window (laughs) on a ladder? Um, It doesn't really make any sense. But it was Armando that said, no, let's leave it in. It's part of the movie. People like that scene and let's make it work. You know, there was that kind of thinking process. There was a lot of discussion for every little thing. So uh, it was a monumental achievement. It really was. And watching Armando do it was incredible.
0: I'm very excited to read this because like you guys mentioned a lot of these characters just that there wasn't time to develop them in the movie so i'm really excited i know a lot of the fans are excited to kind of read and delve deeper into this world that has pretty much been non-existent in the last 30 years but people have always wanted more so thank you guys for for bringing us back to the world of billy and where can we find this book
1: well we only we don't have that many left. Uh, stopthekiller.com. If you just go to stopthekiller.com, you can get the games and the book right now. So we have this new game. It's a card game. It's a, a series that we're calling Hex decks, and it's a card game, solo card game, where you play. You play as Billy in the game, and you hear these voices saying "punish" and "naughty," and um, you're 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 picturing Mother Superior, crazy Grandpa, and. Uh, Oh, and the killer Santa. You're kind of just trying to hold your sanity together because you're wearing a Santa suit and you've got an axe in your hand. And uh, it's a solo game. So either you you crack and your sanity uh, goes, goes out the window and you go on your killing spree or you finish the game successfully and you've held on to your sanity and nobody gets killed. Uh, but it's a solo game and our company designed it because we had a lot of people saying, we love board games but or I love your board game, but I have no one to play it with. So we worked on a, a, a solitaire sort of style uh, gaming series, and we're doing other titles, uh, like Happy Birthday to Me is gonna be a game, a hex deck. Um, we have Ghostface as a hex deck, but we, we do board games, but we also do books now. And Armando's our only writer. I mean, it's a boutique company in every definition of the word. It's, we like to keep the team small and we aren't gonna break anything that isn't bro- you know, fix anything that isn't broken. So um, I'm trying to find really great titles for Armando. Um, but yeah, so anyway, sign up at our mailing list at StopTheKiller.com and you'll be able to see whatever we have coming out.
0: Looking forward to it. So we are a part of the show when we, we play a game. Oh, I love it already. <laughs> the game is called 13 Questions. And it's a rapid fire. I'm just going to ask you 13 questions each. And just first thing that comes to your mind, there are no wrong answers. This is just first thing that comes to your head. You guys ready?
1: So do we answer? uh, Is it like Armando will answer first, I answer second? How do we do it?
0: Yeah, Armando, you go first. Anthony, you go second. (laughs) I just want to be respectful here.
2: (laughs) Anthony gets the advantage.
0: (laughs) No wrong answers. Here it is, Armando Munoz and Anthony Massey, and thirteen questions. Question number one: Favorite fast food? Fries.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mine too. Any French fries? I, I I don't eat them a lot anymore. I'm low carbing. But if you were to ask me what my and you know what, I realized that in the movie The Shining, remember the little kid? He's got his finger that's like red rum, red rum, and his name is Tony. Right. Um, and his favorite food is French fries. And so when I was a kid, that freaked me out because I was like, "That's me! Oh my god!" So anyway, fries for sure. Excellent.
0: <laughs> Next question: Favorite Christmas movie.
1: Silent Night, Deadly Night. I would agree, Silent Night, Deadly Night, for sure. I mean, I, well, hold on a second. No, I'm different. I differ on that. Black Christmas is my favorite, and, and I mean, Christmas with me either. I like. I love a Christmas story, but Black Christmas for sure is my is my favorite, and then Silent Night, Deadly Night.
0: Okay, I assume 1974.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. Although I do like, I'm not sure about the last remake, but I do like the what 2006 one. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but over time, I've come to really enjoy it. I mean, it's a whole different expression of the story. And, you know, it's not Bob Clark genius, but I enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Last week's show, we covered um, the three Black Christmas movies. Oh, cool. Oh, I got to listen to that. We we disagreed on the third or the third version of the movie. Oh, now I really want to listen. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Moving on. Favorite horror movie.
1: Halloween 2. All right. I was. Uh, Halloween is my favorite, but Armando and I share a very strong love for Halloween 2. Here's the thing. I, I have this argument all the time, or not argument, but I bring this up frequently with my horror friends. Halloween is my favorite movie, but I watch Halloween 2 all the time. So is Halloween 2 really my favorite horror movie? I don't know. It's just the one I want to watch more. So I don't know. Maybe Halloween 2. Maybe maybe I'm, I have to finally come to come to the come to Jesus moment. <laughs> be like, all right, it's actually Halloween too. <laughs> there is a difference though. There's a difference with what you think is the
0: best, what you think is the favorite, and the right. one that you like to watch the most. You know, like for me in the Rocky series, Rocky Four. If I have ninety minutes, that's when I go to. It moves the fastest, but it's not the best. Yeah. You know, so same thing. You, there could be a movie that you like, even though you know it's not as good as another movie.
1: Yeah. So I understand. I love Armando that that's like your favorite movie, horror movie, you know, it was Halloween too.
2: Movie. I just love There's it. No, no movie yeah. works on me the same.
0: Yeah. I think he's actually the creepiest in part two though. It might be the the synthetic score and just the way Dick Warlock moves. In my opinion, he was the creepiest in part two.
1: So, yeah. creeps me out yeah that's the first one i saw in theaters because i saw halloween as a little kid on tv and i begged my mother i have a twin brother so my we all kind of got into horror movies at the same time so my mother would take us i remember i still remember seeing the marquee on the you know on the movie theater at the mall that said halloween Two as we were driving up and i'm like i can't believe i'm gonna go see this movie um oh, and- you're so lucky Oh, my God. I, I, I We were screaming, holding each other's hands. When we saw Nightmare on Elm Street together, we, I remember we have great memories of all three of us holding hands, my mother sitting in the middle, and us. St- remember when Nancy's running up the stairway with, like, the marshmallow? and all? We were screaming, and it was the best. It was the best. And, you know, like, back then also when you're, like, a, a little, you know, young teenager, like, you have no filter. It's just all great and crazy, and I all I wanted was more, you know. So maybe that has a lot to do with me watching it and enjoying it as much as i do i do think halloween is a much better made movie um it's my opinion of course anyone you know has their own opinion but i i you know i will text armando i'll be like i'm putting on halloween too you know and
2: half the time i'm saying
1: i'm watching it too i'm 20 minutes in right <laughs> i'm like screw you
0: <laughs> no conversation between me and anthony is complete before we talk about Halloween. We actually met on Halloween 20 years ago.
1: Right, <laughs> right.
0: At the right. Halloween 21st anniversary convention.
1: I remember meeting you in person at the VIP party. <laughs> I remember you was like saying, hey, I'm Doug or whatever. And Doug, and you're, you're in my documentary, right? Aren't you? Briefly.
0: I don't speak, okay. but I'm on the stage because I was one of the final contestants in the Be in Halloween 9 oh, contest. Right. And so... It's like blink and you missed it but you see me on stage and I'm like clapping for the girl that won but in the inside I'm like completely heartbroken you hated her. Yeah
1: exactly <laughs> <But> <laughs> You're right. Well, listen, we can always talk about Halloween. It's uh, that's the it's the evergreen. It absolutely. never stops. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, we um blew through my next question which was favorite Christmas horror movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's okay. We'll move on. We'll, I'll try to call an audible. All right, next question. Favorite Christmas song?
1: Oh, God. That's kind of... I I don't know if I have a Christmas song. Baby, Please Come Home by Mariah Carey, I love. That song comes on, I love it.
2: I'll say only because of the chuckle factor it brings me every time. The warm side of the door.
1: (laughs) 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 See, I just literally went into it. Well, I went into an all-out laugh, but... You know, because you picture Billy holding up the milk, right? (laughs) I I don't like Christmas music at all. No, but
2: for some reason with. um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, I find it delightful.
1: Well, a lot of Christmas music is religious. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you know, I'm I'm going to a concert uh, this Friday night of a a singer that does she does a great Christmas show and half of her songs are religious, you know, in nature. And that doesn't I love her voice, you know? yeah, I'm not a big Christmas music fan. I listen, you know, I listen to it because I have it, but um but yeah, I like uh Baby Please Come Home by Mariah.
0: Great. Here's another question that we asked on last week's show and it's pretty controversial. Better movie, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2?
2: I've only seen the first one and I wasn't <laughs>
1: <laughs> Point taken, Armando. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough.
1: Uh, I have to be honest, too. I haven't seen the second one. So I have to say the first one. I love the first one, you know, when it came out. So
0: <laughs> can't go wrong. All right. Next question Who would win in a fight? Billy from Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Billy from <laughs> Black Christmas. Oh Billy my versus Billy. Oh. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Billy know Oh, I don't know. That's
1: a hard one. Two different fighting styles completely. All right. Here's the thing. I agree with Armando. Billy Chapman from Silent Night, Day of the Night. Because Billy from Black Christmas really doesn't show up with a weapon. Like, he goes and finds weapons. You know what I mean? Like... You know, oh, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but like, <laughs> you don't go to a murder scene without a weapon. You know, so I would be like, if Billy would break in the door and chop the guy up. So that's how I, how I. Billy would, would have an axe,
2: and Billy would have a, a glass figurine. Right. No match. And and, and nineteen seventy four. Billy kind of can't really control his emotions. He gets all, kind of loses them. Ee, you know. <laughs> santa billy silent night deadly night
1: for sure it's over over.
0: it would be brute strength versus frenetic energy so be a good fight though it would be yeah better sidekick ricky or agnes
1: Agnes. i use sidekick loosely (laughs) well yeah they're both characters that don't really do much i would have to say agnes because agnes is a complete mystery You really don't know what Billy's talking about and that makes it scary the fact that you don't know what the heck is being they're talking about and what happened the unknown is bone-chilling you know Ricky's a little kid and yeah he grows up and you know does bad things in part two but he's not very scary in the movie
2: for me Ricky only because I know him
1: very well now
2: and I know where he goes next (laughs) i'm not gonna say anything about that but for me it's
0: i have a lot invested in ricky (laughs) understandably great more iconic line punish or garbage day (laughs) oh no
2: (laughs) Punish. punish punish that's the one we've all heard from our grandmas and our faith leaders and our politicians
1: and all the
2: authority figures
1: punish yeah i mean it's i think his signature you know naughty and punish um but a lot of people a lot of horror fans say you know garbage like they it's just it's just a fun line but i do think the weight the actual like it's not so funny when you see billy swinging a knife at you saying you know or an axe that you saying punish but the whole garbage day thing is like, even the way the actor does it, I mean, I love that. I love that scene so much. I can't wait to, listen, you know, when I'm watching the movie to see that scene, but it's not very scary. It's funny. So yeah,
2: garbage day is a laugh line that works for a cult audience looking for laughs. Yeah. Nobody is scared by, by that, <laughs> but punish kind of, it triggers something else, Yeah, I think in everybody.
0: Great. All right. Next question. What existing horror franchise would best translate to a Christmas setting if they were to do a sequel during Christmas time? What horror franchise do you think would translate best?
2: Only cuz I also kind of already see it as one without any
0: directness. The Exorcist. Mm. It came out in December. Didn't it come out the day after Christmas, I believe.
2: So. Yeah, I associate it with December. A winter movie. So in a way, it's already kind of there. But there's never been any iconography from Christmas within it. But at the same time, I could see how they would easily jill.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense because, you know, one of the most religious holidays of the year with The Exorcist, which is like religion is a big part of it so it makes perfect sense
1: yeah absolutely you know i've always wanted to see friday the 13th take place with snow and you know be and i remember wait like years ago thinking about this um because it's always the same like look it's always in the woods you know but people don't typically camp during the winter so that's probably why but i know that scream is the is scream doing a snow or it was supposed to be i don't know scream is a shit show right now but uh <laughs> but I think that was supposed to take place in the snow i know that there's a lot of horror christmas horror right now terrifier 3 is you know a christmas story snowy story and all that so i don't know i think it's just a great setting when you i mean a blizzard and like all that it just adds to
0: the literal
1: and figural like cold loneliness and you know all of the isolation and nobody likes to be freezing cold and so yeah it's better to do a movie with a horror movie during Christmas than like on a sunny Caribbean island, you know, it just fits better. I think the setting is more cold and chaotic. So I don't know, but Friday the 13th, I'd love to see a Friday the 13th movie with Jason running around in the snow.
2: With Terror Fire,
0: your footprints leave marks in the snow, and so the killer can track you down fairly easily. Yeah. I think with Terror Fire now going the Christmas
2: route, kind of, I, I think they're. <laughs> I kind of hope they're kind of the only one for a while because I think anything now that's going to be slasher related that goes the Christmas route, it's like, okay, so now we're just getting another one of these. Like, you know, there's something very novel about making Terrifier three a Christmas movie. And I applaud them for kind of being the first, you know, one recently to kind of take a popular franchise and do that. So I think if Scream was to do it now, it would feel redundant or like. And then, you know, is it going to be Chucky? Is it going to be all these others right. like it, it might get tiring, you know? So
0: what's interesting, I mentioned it in last week's show and I don't have the exact numbers, but we're getting to the point when at least in the last several years, there's been more Christmas horror movies than horror movies that take place on Halloween. There's a lot now for the Christmas holiday.
1: Well, it's open season. There isn't a major horror franchise that you go see in December now with like violent night and you know, it's it's just open, open sea, open water or whatever they want to say. It's like, it's an opportunity that producers, writers, directors could cash in on. um, Because you're the only sort of and not now, I guess, because of all this stuff coming, but you could be the only person standing for a while. So that's probably why. Plus, you know, we've seen a million Halloween setting, you know, like there's been so many movies made on Halloween night, you know, trick or treat and all these movies. And so maybe it was just to say, hey, let's do something new. Fresh territory.
0: And there's so many different traditions with Christmas that you can now base something on. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm sure we're going to get a lot more. I
2: wouldn't mind writing more Christmas novels. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's more that has
0: not been touched with one. Right, All right. Next question. If you can give Michael Myers a present for Christmas, what would you give him?
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: A one-way ticket back to Haddonfield.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. What a good question. I have no idea what I would give Michael Myers. Actually, is this part two, Michael
2: Myers, or part five? <laughs> you know, it depends which one. <laughs> they all it, get it, it could be in
0: any timeline. Any timeline time you want, which there's, what, six of them right now, I believe.
2: I would simply give Dick Warlock my appreciation.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> all of them, for that matter.
1: No, there's not a... I wouldn't... They, they all get a thing. I don't know, like maybe a breath mint because it's gotten can't smell good in that mask after all this time. <laughs> 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 I feel like, dude, at least you can like take a break. Um, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I would give Michael. He doesn't seem to need anything. You know, whenever I give a gift to somebody, I think, what do they need? What would they like? I don't think Michael wants anything. So, he takes what he so, wants.
2: Give him a pumpkin that you can use as an iPhone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: I'd give him a telescope so he can look out at the constellations to see when Thorin appears next. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Bad joke. Okay. All right. Final question. Whose traps would you rather face? Jigsaw or Kevin McAllister from
1: Home Alone? Kevin McAllister for sure. Jigsaw will just. No, that's not good. (laughs) That is a bad scenario. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'd rather stub my toes than have it sawn off. So.
1: <laughs> or have it saw your own leg off, like yourself. <laughs> is, is it really a trap if you're like cutting off your own body parts? You know, I don't know. That's self mutilation. So definitely not saw. <laughs> Great. Well, that has been
0: thirteen questions with Armando Munoz and Anthony Messi. <laughs> so unfortunately, this comes to the end of our podcast. It's been a pleasure having you and discussing our love of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Or can we buy the book again?
1: Go to StopTheKiller.com. And if you buy the book off, like right now, like in the next couple of days, uh, you actually get autographs uh, via book plate. So Armando, uh, also Scott and Dennis, they were the co-executive producers of the original movie, signed a book plate, which is just a giant sticker. They can place in your book. Uh, and you also get a double-sided bookmark, and you get the extra chapter in the book that you won't get in subsequent printings if we do audio books or ebooks you won't get an extra chapter same thing with my bloody valentine what we're doing at my at stop the killer is releasing novels that are amazing first editions that are for the ultimate fans you know so most people probably don't want you know don't care about the bookmark and all that but we're trying to make them very appealing and collectors items you know i think i think what's obvious is that our passion is poured into these not just in the writing but in the printing and the overall package so that when it arrives it's just like it's like it couldn't it can't be any better than we've given it to you unless we make it out of gold you know what i mean it's just going to be the most amazing version of these books as they come out so stopthekiller.com
0: Yeah, if you want to hear the whole story and get the entire book, this is the only chance you can get it is order now. There is a signing,
2: though, coming up on the 17th of December at Dark Delicacies in Burbank. We will have books there, and I will be signing them in person along with Anthony and the co-executive producers. So if this is out before then, then we will be there on the 17th of December.
1: Yep, 3, 3 p.m., December 17th. And again, you know, there aren't – we have a certain amount of books. And so Dark Dells ordered 50. I think they ordered 50, Armando. And so that's it. Once they're gone, they're they're gone. So show up, get there early, stand in line, just make sure. And uh, you can take pictures with everybody. Last time we did it with um, My Bloody Valentine, a lot of people showed. So, you know, and they're fun. So –
0: I get there soon. If you want to get the book live in person.
2: Yes. Well, thanks for having us on to, to chat about this.
0: Yeah, this was awesome New having book. you
1: guys on the show today. Thanks for having us. That was fun. I like the 13 questions.
0: Yeah, that's become a, a fan favorite out there. It's kind of funny. You never know what you're gonna get asked,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's there are different questions every time, right? Yeah, yeah, I change it up. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> all right guys Armando Munoz and Anthony Massey it's been a real pleasure to have you on the Sift Horror Podcast
1: thanks Thank a lot you. see you later take care guys Merry
0: Christmas thanks for listening to our ongoing Sift Christmas special as we discuss our favorite horror movies for the holiday season tune in again next week and every week as we discuss the genre that we all love here on the Scarecif Horror Podcast Check out our Instagram at scared__stiff__films, and check out the Scared Stiff TV YouTube channel to see what else we're up to here at Scared Stiff. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week.